Welcome back, listeners. I'm Robin Black. This is It's All About Healing Podcast. In today's episode, I will actually be interviewing my friend, Mike. We went to middle school and high school together. He is actually going to be speaking to us a little bit about mental health in the military and as well as outside of the military. Mike, how are you? I'm outstanding. How are you? I am doing well. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, I can. So, um, as you stated previously, my name is Mike. Um, I am currently serving active duty in the army. Um, but for podcast purposes, we will just go by Mike today. Um, yeah. All right. And so tell us a little bit about the mental health. Like what, what is it like? What affects you most about mental health in the military? Um, what affects me most? I think, um, I think just that the aspect of first of all, you have this this picture that's already been painted that like the army is just always go 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 go, which in some cases it is. And um, for me personally, I think it's taking the the perception and running with it, but then actually showing up and then you see what the reality is or whatever. And so you, you're trying to base, you're trying to balance what you thought the day was going to be versus what the day really is, and um, kind of roll with the punches, so to speak. So um, for me, you know, mental health from that aspect, I think is more so just knowing when, when to take the mental dumps and when to hold on to things. I think the struggle is we tend to hold on to more than, than we actually let go. Okay. And what do you mean by you hold on to more? Um, We just don't release. So um, I know speaking for self, I know it's, it's kind of hard. Like, first of all, just being a man in general, there's the whole stereotype of you're a man. You don't show emotion. Um, if you're going through something, you just deal with it. So on and so forth. And then the military kind of compiles that and starts adding on top of it and says, Oh, well on top of being a man, you're also a soldier. And, and you know, we don't have time for emotions. We don't have time for trying to figure things out, um, about how you feel about things. We just got a job that needs to be done, which in some, in, in a lot of cases that is true. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, uh, in, there are times where the emotions do play a role in what you're working on or what you're working towards. Yeah. But how do you handle that? If you're basically being taught to just stuff down your emotions and just get the job done, how do you, does that affect you anyway? Or are you just used to it? Like, what do you do with that? Um, yes and no. So I am kind of used to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm used to it, but I don't deal with it the same way as I did when I started off. So like, um, I just find a, a release. I find something that helps me to release whatever those emotions were, whether that's, um, you know, going to do, I don't know, boxing classes or, mm-hmm. um, and different soldiers that have different things. So some of them, they like rebuilding cars or whatever. you basically find right. a hobby, so to speak. And they'll find different things. Like me personally, I love the gun range. So, mm-hmm. Um, whatever I'm going through, usually I could just go to the gun range and by the time I run through 150 rounds, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> um, and that's just how I get through whatever I'm dealing with. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then boxing is another thing. And then there's, you know, there's just a lot of different things, but some people will lean on their, like their family, their home, or just different things that'll, that'll give them that opportunity to release that they're not allowed, not not saying they're not allowed to, but it makes mm-hmm. it kind of hard to do while they're at work. 
Okay, but when you come home, are you able to talk about it then, or do you still not even choose to talk about it? So, me personally, I separate it. So, okay. I don't typically talk about work when I get home. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really for that reason. I keep work stressors at work, I, right. and I leave home stressors at home. Um, mainly because it, it can get very convoluted if you're if you're not careful. Right. Um, and you'll find yourself either taking out things on your spouse or your children mm-hmm. that was really meant for your supervisor or vice versa. Right. Um, you know, I have, I have seen that firsthand where mm-hmm. someone who wasn't able to create that balance, you know, that's what happened. And yeah. they, they were going through things at home, came to work and then they're in this funk or whatever. And everybody around them is trying to figure out like what they did wrong when in essence they did nothing. It was just a person right. not able to leave, leave things at home. And what was the, balance like for you when you like what's the longest that you've ever been gone away from home um for me it was like a month and a half uh, mm-hmm. maybe like maybe like 45 days something like that yeah um nothing too drastic mm-hmm. um, even the mission that i was on it wasn't really a a stressful mission per se yeah um but it does create a stress when you're not at home because you're you're constantly thinking about what's going on at home yeah. Um, so for me personally, like I created like this switch. Mm-hmm. So I literally like separate myself from whatever's going on at yeah. home. Like I mentally, I do like a mental separation. So whenever I'm gone and doing training and so on and so forth, um, you would almost think that I forgot I yeah. have a home right? when I'm actually training. Now, once I go back to my bunk, you know, I, I'll call and reach out to my family and make sure everything's okay. However, um, for the for the actual training or throughout the day, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't think about home because it's nothing I can do. I mean, if I'm six hours away and something's going on at home, I can't do anything from here right. besides figure out how I can get six hours back home. Wow. So, so you just disconnect. I do. Unless something happens. And how how. So once you disconnect, how do you get back to it? Like, do, are you just compartmentalizing or what exactly? That is exactly what I do. Okay. That okay. is exactly what I do. So I keep, I have a training mindset that I snap into. Mm-hmm. I have a home mindset that I snap into. And I think we all, I mean, I know, I know we're talking about soldiers and us doing it, but I think we as adults, we all do that in some form right. or fashion. Yeah. Um, you know, you think about it when you have a loved one in the hospital, um, in order for you to continue functioning, like you can't continue to just think about your loved one that's in the hospital. You right. think about yeah, them. You're right. Like when you go to the hospital, obviously I'm focused, I'm zoned in. We're here to see my loved one in the hospital. When I leave the hospital and I'm hungry, I'm going to go to the restaurant and get something to eat. Mm-hmm. I may still be thinking about my loved one in the hospital, but that's not at the forefront right now. I'm right. focused on getting something to eat. So I think compartmentalizing, I think, is just a natural thing that we do as humans anyway. Yeah. Um, ours, it, being in the military, I think it's more... Um, more exposed mm-hmm. um, or more talked about that we have to do it because it's actually displayed. Right. right. This, this person is going from this environment to this environment back to this environment. So it, it, it shows mm-hmm. more, more deliberately. Yeah. Matt, I completely understand, especially like you said uh, in general as well as civilians, we have to deal with the same thing as well. And what would you say, like how, the difference between your spouse and your child versus you at home, which one do you think had more of a mental issue there? Oh, I definitely think it's the family members at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's because like for me as a soldier, if, if I'm at a training exercise, 
I my main focus is the training exercise. So I'm not I'm not being woken up in the middle of the night, you know, mm-hmm. to a screaming child that's sick or I'm not dealing with the teacher giving me a call while I'm at work yeah. saying, Hey, you gotta come and pick your kid up because he fell on the bed on the on the playground and hurt himself or herself or whatever. Um, like when we go away for, for training, our spouses are at home still dealing with life at home. Right. But without the assistance that they were getting from you while you were there, if you were that effective. Um if you are if you are that much so present. Um, in your household, then your spouse is, is going to feel that when you're not there because that's the missing piece. So the little things that you may be helping with, helping with bedtime, helping with homework, helping with dinner, helping clean up, helping whatever, mm-hmm. they're not getting that. However, those jobs still have to get done. Right. Um, and they're focused on them plus the children, plus the dog. Yeah. Plus the grumpy neighbor who always wants to do things. You know what I mean? So you as a soldier, you're going to this training environment where you literally only have to worry about self. Yeah. Your biggest stressor is a uh, a disgruntled supervisor who came to work one today and is just, you know, whatever. But mm-hmm. you're still only dealing with that for self. When yeah. your training day is over, you're going back to your bunk. And if you want to lay in your bunk and do nothing, you can yeah. versus your spouse. They want to get off work and go home and lay in the bed. They can mm-hmm. until the kids need something. Yeah. And now it's back to square one all over again. So I I definitely think the, the spouse in the home front has it more. Um, I guess they feel the stressors of the separation more so right. than the soldier themselves because of that. And what about um, when you were actually in the air when you're actually like either at boot camp or just in the bunk, like you said, do mm-hmm. you have to deal with any type of turmoil with other soldiers as well? Um, depends on your position. Mm-hmm. So, um, obviously, if you're responsible for, you know, if you're at a squad level and you have so many soldiers or if you're a platoon sergeant, you know, you have those. But um, it's more so you do have to deal with those. But it's I mean, that's a case by case scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, you could go a whole training exercise and never have one issue. Yeah. And and that's perfectly normal. You could go a training exercise and have 10 issues. That's perfectly normal. So it's literally like there's no. It's it's so gray mm-hmm. um, when it comes to to that topic, only because I mean that's just a day by day, case by case scenario. So, would you say that you have any issues with authority? Me personally, no. Mm-hmm. Was that it? So you didn't have any type of like? What did you have to? You've been in the military how long now? Fourteen years. Fourteen years, yes. And when you first went in, did you have any type of issue, like kind of adjusting? Oh, absolutely. What Absolutely. happened there? Um, I, it's not necessarily that anything happened, but I will say coming from being a complete civilian, it's just like anything else. When you come from off the street and, you, and you're joining this organization mm-hmm. where they operate a certain way um, and you're basically um, trained your mind is trained to deal with confrontation a certain way right. or deal with conflict a certain way. And then you come to this entity where they're like, yeah, we don't deal with conflict that way. We deal with it this way. And you're mm-hmm. just like, but why? Um, I think that was the biggest, <laughs> the biggest adjustment for me. Yeah. Um, you know, just turning it off. Right. Um, realizing you can't just run around punching on people to, mm-hmm. to get the reaction or results that you want. Like, it's time to be a grown up and actually be able to sit down and have adult conversations right. and be able to vocally 
um, mm-hmm. and verbally get to a place of understanding with another human being. So I think well, that was the, the biggest struggle for me in the beginning. That's that's probably a really good thing that they kind of switched gears on you a little Absolutely. bit in that sense, because the other way was not a good way, Mike. Absolutely. <laughs> that's not fun, okay. Though. You said it like it was normal. That's I mean, not normal. But it was normal. No. So, that's the, <laughs> so it's so normal when we talk for you. About the, so when we talk about the word normal, okay. like the word normal in a sense is is what you're used to. Right. You know right. what I mean? So mm-hmm. um, I, I had a friend, I, I'll get off topic, not really, but. Oh, you're fine. Um, I have a friend who only drives luxury vehicles. Right. They will only drive Mercedes Benz, Lexus. Um, I think he had an Infinity one time. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, that's all he'll drive. So for him, mm-hmm. um, leather seats and sunroofs and backup cameras, like yeah. that's the norm for him. Mm-hmm. So if you if you were to get in his car and you say, Oh man, your car got a backup camera that's fancy right he's gonna look at you like why are you so impressed by that because that's his norm Mm -hmm. versus somebody who's um used to having you know a more right modern vehicle just basic or whatever you know people who's not impressed by vehicles Mm -hmm. they see these things and they're like wow your car really does this right because it's foreign to them correct so it's when when it comes to that the word normal i mean this this is basically off of you know, what you're used to, what you've been exposed to as normal. Yeah. Well, that makes, that makes sense. I like that. So, um, so Mike, have you ever suffered from any form of PTSD, whether the military or outside the military? Um, me personally? Yes. Um, and honestly, I think that's, it's like a really loaded question only because I, I, I personally believe everybody has some form of PTSD. And, mm-hmm. um, for me personally, I, I will say my experience with PTSD is, um, like car accidents. Mm-hmm. So I have never been in a car accident personally. Um, but I did have a relative who mm-hmm. was in a really, really bad car accident, um, some time ago, um, over a decade ago, but they were in a, a really bad car accident and the circumstances around that accident whenever circumstances start to look familiar to that event, mm-hmm. I, f- I feel myself clenching. Yeah. Um, I feel like, you know, my hands getting tight. I start like chewing down really hard or whatever. Um, simply because, you know, those were the events that led up to this particular car accident happening. Um, the, the accident that I'm happening, that I'm, that I'm referencing, um, but nobody died in the accident. Um, a person was on life support for a very long time mm-hmm. um, from that accident, but um, thankfully nobody was actually killed, but it was a, a very bad experience. And again, I wasn't there, mm-hmm. but after learning the details of what happened for that accident, there are certain streets I won't drive down anymore Wow! because of that accident. Yeah. Um, certain, this might sound really weird, but certain cars Mm-hmm. Um, because of the two vehicles that were involved in that accident, I don't like driving or riding in either one of those types of cars. Wow. Yeah. Um, which one was a, a two door convertible. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, like I, if you got a two door convertible, you probably won't see me get in the car at all. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. So, I mean, as far as PTSD goes, I believe, I mean, 
like I said, I think all of us have dealt with some form of PTSD, whether it's, I mean, something as simple as an ex-boyfriend, or ex-girlfriend. If you had an ex-girlfriend that that had a, a certain habit that mm-hmm. drove you insane. Yeah. And now when you start to date um, again, the first time, <laughs> the first time you go on a date with somebody and they do that, it, it's, it starts to trigger you. Right. So. Absolutely. Um, right? Yeah. You know, and I think um, I think that's why you have. A lot of a lot of mental health issues, I think personally, come from situations like that. Triggers, um, yeah. They come from triggers, and yeah. um, you can call them PTSD. You can call them experiences. You can call them whatever you want to call them. But mm-hmm. I think there's certain things that are within us um, that are there. Yeah. And when something happens, it brings it out. And then once it brings it out, it's like, okay, this is looking too familiar to me, right. and I don't like the the path that this is going down. Right. You know, so case in point with me and two door convertibles. Yeah. I, I don't like it. The road that he was on when he got in an accident, was a very narrow road. Yeah. So I don't like driving down narrow roads. Uh-huh. If I do, I want to be the only person on that narrow road. Yeah. Um, I don't want to make a left turn off of that narrow road. Like there's, there's things that come with that now because of that particular event. So, yeah. that's my that's my two cents on ptsd yeah i just <laughs> the emotional triggers i <laughs> i definitely get what you mean um with that and it just mm-hmm. kind of just it just he brought a flashback so that's why i was laughing um oh you had a you had an x with a two-door convertible no 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 no, not the convertible at all <laughs> no no about the emotional triggers and gotcha. then because it's even it works vice versa, even if you kind of when you have that spontaneous recovery, when you see an ex and right. you're thinking, oh, yeah, I would like to see them again and catch up. And right. then the, the moment you guys kind of get together, you're, mm-hmm. you have that glazed over look like I knew I shouldn't have sat down. Yep. Now I remember and then all those triggers. Yep. Yeah, all those triggers come back. <laughs> That's exactly why we stopped talking. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, outside of that, what is your mental outlet like what do you do so i'm kind of weird right okay um <laughs> because there's not one there's not really one particular thing that i do um to kind of like decompress i will say so like um so i have a wife and a son mm-hmm. and so when i get home or if i'm leaving work and let's say i had like a, a, a messed up day right yeah and my job is only like maybe 10 minutes from the house mm-hmm. so that's not enough time for me to really like decompress completely. Right. So there have been times where I've gotten home and I know my day has been shitty and I'm like, you know what? I need to release this before beforehand. Mm-hmm. And um, I've actually driven around my neighborhood just yeah. to kind of, you know, I let the windows down, drive around, turn the music up, let the wind blow. And then that's my time to kind of just, uh, I guess you could say, separate from work right and get back into to home mode um but that's on a day-to-day so that's something simple um i'm not a video gamer so that's never been a thing of mine um i do smoke cigars so sometimes it might look like that it might mm-hmm. just be you know sit on the sit on the porch smoke a cigar or whatever um boxing is one yeah um, running has recently become one of my decompressants so okay. um I was never a person who liked running, uh-huh. but I've started seeing the benefits of running and it's outside of physical. So right. running is a place for me to escape. 
yeah. I get to, you know, run by, look at the deer and, and yeah. the trees. And and as as small and simple as that is, yeah. that's my way of I'm forgetting about whatever's going on. Yeah. Or even Getting if out I need nature, to think about kinda. it. Exactly. Um But you'd be surprised, like even even in the military, a lot of people they find their own different things. Like uh like I have a friend who's in into like jujitsu mm-hmm. and he'll go out and he does jujitsu like that's that's his thing. Right. Um I have a buddy who likes to rebuild cars. So mm-hmm. once he once he buys his car and um starts, you know, getting the parts and all of that, that's his thing. He gets off work and he's like, Hey, I'm in the garage for three hours right. you know, rebuilding whatever. Um, so on and so forth. So um I mean it just changes from day to day. Um a lot of times it, it could be as something as simple as I will say one of the, one of the things which is a struggle of mine uh-huh. is food. Yeah. So I lean I lean a lot on food and not necessarily just eating. It's yeah. like food types. Uh-huh. Um, I think somebody referred to them as um, what's the word? Not not stress food, stress eating or something. Oh like yeah, that. yeah, I've done that. Mm-hmm. So I do that, but it's only with particular foods. So yeah. um, for the most part, I'm really big on like watching what I eat mm-hmm. and. Something can happen at work, and instead of me going home and getting, you know, a bottle or whatever, I'll be like, you know what? Today I'm getting me some fried wings. Yeah. I don't normally eat fried <laughs> wings, and I don't want to really stress about what I'm eating today. I'm about yeah. to get some fried wings. But then it's a catch twenty two with that because mm-hmm. if I go home today and I say I'm going to eat some fried wings, well then I know in the morning now I have to add two or three miles to whatever I was going to run. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's kind of like. I'm, I'm getting both sides of it. I'm going to go and stress eat because I'm irritated right now. And then in the morning, I'm going to do some more stuff to to let off some steam about it because I'm going to go run. Yeah. And then when I get done running, I'll feel like shit because yeah. I'm going to eat these fried chicken wings. <laughs> so, yeah. But that's still, that's really good discipline. A lot of people do not have that and they struggle with that. I myself will struggle with that because I would do that and then I'll just be like, eh. Oh, well, <laughs> guess I just ate that and I wouldn't go work it out. So, right. I mean, I definitely. Right. That's actually very good. Absolutely. Okay, Mike, I'm not going to keep you too long, but um, just what resources would you recommend for those who are afraid to admit what's bothering them? Or, you know, if they tend, we as humans, we tend to internalize anyway. So what would you recommend for any type of soldier, any type of military, active, reserve, veteran, doesn't matter. What would you recommend? So, um, without sounding too like, uh, like cliche, Mm -hmm. I would say, first of all, um, if you, if you're not comfortable talking to, um, a professional, Mm -hmm. then I would say, you know, find a friend, everybody, I think everybody should have, you know, one to two people that they can go to and talk to about pretty much anything. And don't get me wrong. I'm, I am very shut off when it comes to me. Mm -hmm. So, I share with people what I want to share with you. We can sit here and talk for three hours. And if there's something I don't want you to know, you won't know it. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I get that. I feel it a, a thousand percent. Mm-hmm. But I will say that I think everyone should find at least one person that they're able to open up to. Mm-hmm. Um, like for me, it's my father. Yeah. Um, it, it's my wife as well. It's just, you know, I, there's things I can open up to my, my you know, that's just mm-hmm. life. Um and vice versa. There's things I'll tell my wife that I haven't told my father. So, right, yeah. Um, I think we should, you know, that's why I say one to two people. Mm-hmm. It's going to be different for each situation. But um, that that would be my first thing is to find someone who you're comfortable with. Yeah. Um, 
that you can talk to without judgment. Um, you could talk to without feeling like, hey, later on, they're going to bring this up. And I think that's. I think that's one of the stigmas or one of the reasons for the stigma right. is that, oh, I don't want to talk too much because they're going to use this against me yep. later on, whether it's from a friend, a family mm-hmm. member, a career path, um, or maybe a job that I'm going to want in the future. They're going to bring this back up, whatever the case may be. Um, but that is not necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I know people that I, I know people personally that go and talk to their um, psychologists and psychiatrists very often right. and they're very successful in their military career. Um, now, do I know what they talk to their doctors about? Literally? No, mm-hmm. or exactly. No, but um, I do know they go and see them on a regular basis. Um, so I would start with a friend or family, you know, whatever. Then mm-hmm. you have, um, you have the chaplains that are available to you. Mm-hmm. You have, um, you can actually get referred to mental health specialists, uh, whether it's psychologist, psychiatrist, uh, therapist, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get referred to them. Um, Military One Source is a good place to start if you don't want to deal with a doctor that you've already dealt with. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another one. So you can you can always reach out to Military One Source and and use their services as well. Um, there's many other ones. I'm they're just not coming to me right now, but right. Um, there are a lot of, op- a lot of options. And I would, I would personally, I would recommend if you are looking for those services, um, you can also go to your chain of command, not to talk about whatever you want to talk about, but you can go to your chain of command because they'll have specific resources for you as well that they can outsource you to, um, based on whatever installation you're on, whatever mm-hmm. unit you follow under and so on and so forth. So. Okay. Well, that's good. And you said it was called military one source. Correct. Okay. Militaryonesource.com. Most soldiers are already familiar with it mm-hmm. um, or military in general. Okay. Uh, are pretty much all familiar with it. It's one of the things they teach us from day one. Oh, okay. Well, that is good to know. So thank you so much for coming on here, Mike. Absolutely. Thank, thank you for you. having me. I no problem. It. No problem at all. So again, this is Robin Black. This is It's All About Healing Podcast. Stay blessed.